Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Comics and Cinema. I'm your host, Alex Klein, and today we are going over a ton of movies and news that has been popping up while I was gone traveling last week. So I was able to get in the movies that I had downloaded onto my iPad for travel. So uh, today we're going to be going over a bunch of things. So I'm going to give you the agenda and then we will get started. So I wanted to talk about the Black Widow trailer along with the new James Bond trailer and Wonder Woman trailer and then the just released uh, Golden Globes nominations. I wanted to just talk about the movie section of that and then um, some brief recaps or I guess discussions on the new Mandalorian and Watchmen episodes. Uh, there were some other shows that I was catching up on as well, but I still I'm I'm four now. Tonight will be five episodes behind on uh, his dark material, so I've I got to step it up and um, start catching up on those. But then in terms of the movies that I saw, I will be discussing the report. El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie, Earthquake Bird, The Irishman, Noel, Let It Snow, Holiday in the Wild, Tangled, and uh, Little Mermaid. So uh, let's dive right in. So in regards to these trailers, the, uh, the Black Widow trailer I thought was really good. I really liked the tone that it's set. It seems like a it's kind of got a Winter Soldier vibe. It's kind of got a Atomic Blonde vibe. I don't know how much of it's going to be taking place in Russia, but um, I imagine some of it will. But the big takeaways that I had gotten from it, because I so I, I've watched it now probably like three three or four times. And uh, I would really recommend checking out the uh, most recent podcast for Marvel Studios News. They go into like an hour and a half long uh, conversation in regards to the trailer. They brought up some interesting pieces and um, really in-depth discussion um, on that trailer. They clearly watched it way more times than I did. But um, the big things that I saw was uh, General Ross is uh he's de-aged in in the trailer there's there's a bit where you see him really quickly and uh, i noticed it right away i was like oh whoa he looks younger so i'm wondering and I, i think that's awesome that they're getting him to play to reprise the role again in another movie i think that's a really cool through thread and i wonder if there's going to be anyone else in this but just to have him in it i think is enough for me but overall like i said i'm i'm really excited for this movie now i think it's going to be the perfect filler movie for black widow in terms of filling in her backstory because there is that really long period between captain america civil war and infinity war where we don't really know what uh what she was up to we just kind of know that now she feels like she has a family uh in the avengers so the takeaway that i had from that was uh something happens in between there for her to realize that the avengers are her family and i think that's going to come from her breaking away um from her red room family the uh, melina and uh, yelena and the red guardian they look to be a family and I, i could easily see this being something of a movie where by the end of it she realizes you know this isn't my family like my family is the avengers they they're they actually care about me they they um provide me with a safe space that sort of stuff and uh, there's, I guess, been some talks on, you know, this is her kind of forgiving herself. So that that plays into it as well, you know, her finally getting to forgive herself for the things that she's done in her past and realizing that she's going to move on and be what the team needs her to be in the Avengers, which is cool. I think that's really awesome. I'm looking forward to seeing what Taskmaster uh, does is in the movie uh, he's uh, one of my favorite villains because of his power set I love that he can mimic any uh, any fighting style anything like that and he's got the skull for the face so it'll be interesting to see where that goes but more so as well um, this uh, this whole idea of the Thunderbolts I know they don't really hint at it much in the trailer but it's funny that um, uh, General Ross General Thunderbolt Ross is in the trailer and the Thunderbolts is his name so I wonder if that'd be a really cool way to tie that in from the comics and you could have a really great Thunderbolts team of Black Widow, Taskmaster, because Taskmaster, he's kind of a bad guy, but he's also been a anti-hero at uh, some points as well. So that would be interesting to see them too. Maybe throw in the Winter Soldier, Zemo, 
uh, and then you could have like foul, you could have Falcon running it or something. I I don't know. I, that's just spitballing. But um, overall, like I said, I'm 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 all in for this movie. I think it's going to be really cool. The vibe in it, it looks really great. The song or the the music that was playing in the trailer was awesome. That it sounded like Annihilation. Uh, so just that alone, I mean, I'm I'm gonna go see the movie anyway, regardless. I would I would have seen it without even seeing a trailer. My goal now is is to try. I think I want to try and not see any more footage for the movie. I, I understand that you know we want to be talking and discussing and all that stuff, but I've been just really I've been almost fantasizing about seeing a movie that I know I want to see, like a movie I'm gonna see regardless, a Star Wars, a Marvel movie like that, and not seeing any trailer footage for it and just going into it blind. I'm wondering if that would change my opinion at all of the film because you know there's some trailers where you you see a bit in the trailer and you I don't know just for me I see something in the trailer that annoys me or kind of bugs me and then I I see that in the movie and I'm like oh you know this kind of I remember that from the trailer whereas I wonder if I hadn't seen it prior and if it was in the context of the movie that it was better and that's happened many times especially in marvel movies because i watch those trailers a lot uh there will be scenes in the trailer that i don't like and i'm like man i hope this doesn't make it in the movie and then it either it either doesn't make it into the movie or it's modified by the time that it gets in the movie and it honestly is modified better and so it's like okay well i spent all of these months worrying that this was going to be in the film when it wasn't even in the film to begin with so um yeah but other than that I thought that trailer was great. So if you haven't seen it, I would highly advise checking it out. And um, uh, just I'm thinking out loud as I hear myself, uh, my wife's been sick for the past week and she's actually, she just got, um, she just went to the doctor and she has bronchitis as well. So I don't know if I sound different. If I do, I apologize. I have been, uh, I have been taking medicine every single day, uh, emergency, all that stuff. So I, I don't feel sick, but I don't know if I sound sick. So I hope I don't. Uh, but if I do, I apologize, and I guarantee you we'll be back in working order by uh, the end of uh, next week. So uh, that was Black Widow. James Bond, I watched, so uh, James Bond and Wonder Woman, I watched both of those trailers one time. Uh, and, and again, same for those. It's this. I. It's easier for me for those ones because, like for James Bond, I think maybe I'll do it for James Bond because I, I wanted to see a trailer for James Bond just to see what it was about, and it it looks like a James Bond movie. So I don't think I'm going to see any other trailers or watch anything for it, uh, and see how I go into it because I didn't really like the trailer. I, there was real, there were, I don't think there was anything in that trailer that stood out to me as being new and fresh for James Bond. Uh, it's still Daniel Craig. I was kind of hoping, I know, I know it was supposed to be Daniel Craig all along, but I was really hoping that they would move on to a new James Bond, especially after him saying that he was kind of done with the character and yeah, he's gonna, you know, he's an actor. He's that's they lie, so he's gotta, you know, he's gonna put on the performance. But to me, I would rather have somebody in the role who really wants to be there. And he seems to have been kind of teetering out of that role for quite some time now. And it's almost like they're trying to squeeze all of the orange juice out of the orange. And uh, it's, I don't know, just from some of the things I saw in that trailer, it looked like he was not having fun. But we'll see. That's also James Bond. He kind of has to be a serious guy. Uh, all the same characters are returning. There's a couple of new ones in there. Lashana Lynch is in there as a 007 agent. That seems really interesting. I'm really looking forward to her character. She was probably one of the few interesting pieces of the trailer. Um, just I was like, oh, I got to know more about her. And then, of course, you know, we get like all of the, the rogues gallery and characters from the prior James Bond movies are in this movie. And... Um, I don't know. I you, you could say all oh, that's the same as like the Avengers. All those characters are back in the movie, but in the Avengers, the Avengers movie, you had build up. You had build up in all of the prior movies to that. There was an anticipation that a movie was going to be coming that everyone was going to be in. This just kind of feels shoehorned. Like, oh hey, you remember Christoph Waltz's character in the last movie? Well, he's still here. He's in this movie. Like there was never. I I liked James Bond for being. Uh, one and dones like Casino Royale is my favorite James Bond movie and uh, I liked Quantum of Solace a lot as well but then at the end of Quantum of Solace there's this whole idea of of uh, you know there's a bigger bigger story at work and it was like interesting I wonder what that is and, and I kind of got interested and then Skyfall came out and that movie was awesome incredible one of my favorite one of my favorite James Bonds and uh, and that one was good too it felt very um, self-contained and the 
in the way of you know it, the story was just in this movie there were there were there were a couple little hints of like oh you know specter is is coming and in that movie i was excited for that i was like ooh awesome this is going to be sort of a you know like an avengers build up you know there's this big overarching evil organization that's kind of been pulling the strings in all of the current james bond movies i thought that was really cool and then specter came out and that was a huge letdown. It was a good movie. I still enjoyed the movie, but I was like, this is this is it. It's Christoph Waltz. He's the one that's been pulling all the strings. And I probably need to rewatch it because I saw it, you know, a long time ago or where you know when it, when it came out in theaters. But um, now seeing Christoph Waltz again in this movie, along with there was a couple of other people that showed up in the trailer too. I was just like, I thought this movie was gonna be a fresh start but now i'm starting to see that this movie i think is is the end cap and if so great that's that's fine i'm, I'm okay with there being one last daniel craig sort of james bond but um i really hope they move on and, and move to a new cast of characters even if they keep i'd be fine if they just moved on to have lashana lynch be the new james bond that would be totally fine with me especially if she pulls it off in this movie which again based on the trailer it sounds like she's gonna and then uh, Wonder Woman. Like I said, I watched that one one time, and I really don't want to watch another uh, it another time because it was that good. It was amazing. The tra- I just I am a big color guy, and I've not liked the DC movies specifically because their color palette has been so bland. But uh, this her her outfit is so bright now, bright red and blue. It just looks so Wonder Woman now, and that was it's amazing, so cool. That along with Kristen Wiig being in the movie and um, uh, Diego, not Diego Luna, Pedro Pascal is in the movie as a, a bad guy. It looks like, and uh, we got some great. Uh, lasso scenes her uh, looks like she's about to hit a bullet and make the bullet fly forward after popping it out of the gun that was incredible Uh, the soundtrack everything about it except for um her her buddy the her her uh, boy toy what's his name chris pine he uh he died in the last movie and i just i okay if they pull it off if they if they give a really good reason as to why he's back i'll let it slide but i just i thought he was going to be one and done in that movie and i heard rumors obviously that he was going to be back and i was just like why why does he need to be back and so i get it now they're going to have him be the man out of time and have her she's gonna have to explain to him how you know what's been going on whereas it was the reverse in the prior movie he had to explain how the world works to her so that part's kind of cool but still it's like is that is that what we're defining wonder woman as is she's only able to you know be with this one guy who you know has been dead like she's she can't go meet anybody else or you know fall in love with batman or superman or anything like that like she 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 has to be defined by her love interest by chris pine because i'll tell you this much gal gadot and um you know as wonder woman she doesn't need anyone else she just needs herself like she's that good that she can carry a whole movie on her own and it would have been funny if she's got Kristen wig playing uh oh man and like i said i'm not really too is she playing cheetah is that her name it's a it's a type of leopard or something but um you know you've got perfect grounds there for a cat fight right like that could be the the end battle is her fight fighting uh, I wanted to say Tigra, but I think it's Cheetah, and uh, I don't know. I just that that part was weird to me, but the whole trailer overall was awesome. I honestly, I think that might be my favorite of the three trailers. Even though obviously Black Widow, I loved because it's a Marvel trailer, but just in terms of the excitement, there's a lot of excitement, a lot of joy and happiness in that trailer, and uh, yeah, honestly, I may end up having to watch it again just because. I need to I need to see that again. I need a 4K trailer of the Wonder Woman movie. If we can get that, please, please and thank you. So next up on our discussion plate is the Golden Globe nomination. So this is pretty fresh to me. This is like a fresh open wound. Uh, I just read through the um, I'd read through the nominations, and I'm both shocked and uh, I guess you could say pleasantly surprised. Uh, so here's here's why. I have seen all of these movies except, or I guess I even had knowledge of all of these movies except for one, for the two popes. So here's 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 where we're at. Uh, Best motion picture drama. We've got 1917, The Irishman, Joker, Marriage Story, and The Two Popes. So what I find is incredibly interesting in here is 
three, three of those movies are Netflix movies. That's nuts. Not to mention that there's a fourth Netflix movie in the musical or comedy section, but um, that's just, that's unprecedented. I don't think that's, I don't remember the last time there's been that many Netflix nominees. And again, I, I, t- I don't take uh, the Golden Globe nominations with a grain of salt. It's more of, um, like, I, I don't you typically use them as an indicator for the Oscars. I get when people try to do that because, you know, it, it's great for writing articles. But uh, I, I just treat them all separately because I don't like getting worked up and going, oh, my God, these, you know, these movies better be the Oscar nominees or I'm going to lose my mind. Because I used to do that, and it, it made me lose my mind because it never happened. So I've just, I just kind of don't really compare them to each other. But for this specific thing, for Golden Globes, that's a great list of movies. Yeah, um, we got Joker on there. That's a comic book movie. That's fantastic. That's kind of the same as when Deadpool was nominated under a musical or comedy, but this is for drama, which is a big deal. I have not seen 1917 yet, but I really, really want to, and so I'm glad to see that that's on there too, to you know reinforce the idea that that's probably a really good movie. And we'll see. Obviously, you know the movie has, of course, not come out in theaters yet, so no one can see it. But um, the Irishman, I think, is worthy of that as well. I mean, we had there no surprise; everyone knew that that was going to show up. Marriage Story just came out on Netflix this weekend. I have not had a chance to watch it, but I'm going to, and I'm I'm glad it's on there too. Again, whatever you know, we've got this many Netflix ones on there. That just is a little easier for people to then join in the conversation for. Uh, these awards things, because half the time, ever since I was young, my biggest gripe with the Oscars, with the Golden Globes, is that you get nominees in there where the movie hasn't even come out yet, and it's nominated, and uh, so how how do you watch it? Like, how, as a fan, or as a, a person watching the awards, how do you stay into the awards when the movies that are on there you can't see? Like, that doesn't make for a good interaction, so the um, the fact that a lot of these are Netflix movies, I think, is going to give people the opportunity to join in that conversation and watch the Marriage Story or the Two Popes. Uh, and I have not heard hide nor hair about the Two Popes, so I'm gonna have to check that one out as well. Mess uh, best motion picture, musical or comedy? We've got Dolomite is my name. That's the Netflix one I was talking about. Jojo Rabbit, Knives Out, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Rocket Man. So. Uh, no, no, nothing. No Marvel movies were nominated for anything as I scrolled through this. So the Golden Globes, it doesn't look like we're a fan of, uh, but then again, you know, you're not really trying for the Golden Globes, right? You're trying for the Oscars and, uh, that's fine. You know, this is like Oscars light. And again, people are like, oh, you know, but this is indicative of what's going to get nominated for the Oscars. Not always, not always, especially when you've got two different film categories, drama and musical or comedy, which to me are very outdated because Knives Out to me is not a comedy. That's more of a, um, it's not quite a comedy, not quite a drama, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I would uh, categorize that as a, a drama as well. I mean, the only ones on here are probably Dolomite and Jojo Rabbit, because Rocketman isn't really... Uh, well, Rocketman's a musical, so there you go. You get one musical in there. But I've seen all of those. Um, yeah, I, so I've seen all of the, the musicals and comedies. Dolomite, as I said, was great. Jojo Rabbit was... Eh. I, I Out of all of these, I would probably vote for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but I would really hope I hope that Knives Out gets it just because that's such a, a dark horse like no one would have expected it. And again, I'm really glad Dolomite's on there because that's a really funny movie. If you haven't seen it, check it out. It's on Netflix. And then um, we get some other some other jump ins here from uh, best supporting or best performance by an actor in the drama category. That that's where we get Christian Bale for Ford v Ferrari. That got kind of got snubbed, and then uh, you got Adam Driver for Marriage Story, Antonio Banderas for Pain and Glory, Joker, uh, Joaquin Phoenix, of course, and then Jonathan Price, Two Popes, uh, and for an actress, we've got Cynthia Erivo, Erivo for Harriet. Uh, haven't seen that one, but I heard it was pretty good. Scarlett Johansson for Marriage Story, Saoirse Ronan for Little Women, Charlize Theron for Bombshell. Both Little Women and Bombshell are on my list. I want to see both of those movies. Uh, and then Renee Zellweger for Judy. So I'm glad that that didn't get nominated for a movie. My, my I've always tried my best to see all of the nominated movies and there have been years where i'm like ooh, but i should see all of the nominated things for like actor actor there's it's tough because like i got that i i don't want to see judy 
And then we've got uh, musical or comedy. And just as an example, we'll start with actress. We've got Aquafina in The Farewell. I wouldn't call that a comedy at all. But, um, you know, that's kind of how they're doing it. Maybe it's because Aquafina is, is a comedian. Kate Blanchett in Where'd You Go Bernadette. I actually had that on hold with the library and I forgot to put it on pause. So uh, when I um, came back from vacation, it had the hold had passed. So I have to now put that movie on hold again, but I'm not going to get to see it. Uh, Knives Out, uh, Anna Diarmas, great, great. And Beanie Feldstein for Booksmart, phenomenal. Why didn't Booksmart get a comedy nomination? That's a comedy movie, and that's an incredible comedy movie. And then Emma Thompson for Late Night, which was also a good one. That's on Amazon Prime. Uh, best performance by an actor in a motion picture, musical, or comedy. That's uh, Daniel Craig for Night Is Out. Roman Griffin Davis and Jojo Rabbit, Leonardo DiCaprio for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Taron Egerton for Rocket Man, and Eddie Murphy for Dolomite Is My Name. So basically all of the main characters from all of the nominated films in that category. There's supporting actors and actresses as well. Tom Hanks for A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, so that's cool. That movie basically got snubbed. Anthony Hopkins and Two Popes, Al Pacino and Joe Pesci and The Irishman. I think both of those are warranted. Brad Pitt and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So that means Robert De Niro was not nominated. I'm okay with that. Robert De Niro, um, and you'll get to that, but I think those other two guys, Pesci and Pacino, they definitely did a better job than um, uh, De Niro did. Actresses, Kathy Bates and Richard Jewell. Ooh, look at that. That one got snubbed too. Annette Benning in The Report. I just saw that movie. I don't think she deserves that. Not Well, I mean, she's there. It doesn't matter. So uh, Marriage Story, Laura Dern. doesn't matter what I think. Uh, Jennifer Lopez in Hustlers. Great job there. Margot Robbie in Bombshell. Very cool. And then uh, Best Director, which is cool. We got Bong Joon-ho for Parasite. Hell yeah, we get a Parasite shout-out. Sam Mendes, 1917. Todd Phillips for Joker. Martin Scorsese for The Irishman. And Quentin Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Again, no Marvel movies. Great. Awesome. Uh, Breast Screenplay, Noah Baumbach for Marriage Story. Bong Joon-ho and Jin Won Han for Parasite. Anthony McCartan for The Two Popes. Quentin Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And then Stephen Zalian for The Irishman. And uh, the best animated movies, Frozen 2, How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, Missing Link, Toy Story 4, and Lion King. I don't get why Missing Link's on there. I feel like I'm going to have to see it now because I did not get good vibes from that movie. Um, I don't know. The best animated feature category to me, it's a, it's a, I think it should just get merged into the best picture category because... It feels like you're scraping the bottom of the barrel whenever you're going into the animated movies because there's like there's a handful of good ones and then there's just the rest. Like the, there was, wasn't there a year that Trolls got nominated for uh, an Oscar just because, right? Because there's only so many good animated movies a year. Like I, I'm fine with Frozen Two being on there. How to Train Your Dragon was okay, and uh, Toy Story Four was also fine. But and Lion King, I get it for you know the the technical aspect of it. But again, Missing Link. I, if I'm thinking of the right movie, I don't know why that's on there. Foreign language films, The Farewell. Well, there it is. So it got nominated there. Uh, Les Misérables, and then Pain and Glory, Parasite, and Portrait of a Lady on Fire. So I've seen Parasite and The Farewell. Uh, and I thought about you know if it ever comes to see Portrait of a Lady on Fire, but I didn't know there was a Les Misérables, um, a new one, a Les Mis movie. Interesting. But yeah, so uh, in terms of this, I think it'll be an interesting Golden Globes. I definitely want to tune in. I don't know how I'm going to. I don't have cable, but I'll figure it out. My biggest concern is always the Oscars. All I really care about is the Oscars because the Golden Globes are nice, but it doesn't seem like anyone really... I don't know. It's like participation trophies in that sense. Like everyone wants the Oscar. They don't care about the Golden Globe. And I think, you know, if you get a Golden Globe, congrats. Awesome. Great job. Like that's something to be celebrated. You should be happy to get an, get awarded or even nominated for any of these awards. But the general public, I don't think, really cares uh, except for the Oscars. But again, the Golden Globes are like the Oscars' drunk cousin. So if you're looking for any sort of exciting bits, they're probably going to pop out in the Golden Globes. Uh, you know, any funny jokes or inappropriate comments. But um, yeah, so I, like I said, I, I was pleasantly surprised. It wasn't as bad as I thought. I was hoping that maybe there would be something Marvel related there. But uh, no, and that's that's kind of basic for Golden Globes when they have they have less movie categories. Like there's no special effects category or, or whatever. And I'm a big believer in calling the movies as they are. And unfortunately, that that gives you uh, the I don't know the like you'd have to say this uh, Suicide Squad. That is a Oscar 
I believe that's an Oscar, it's definitely an Oscar-nominated movie. I don't remember if it's an Oscar-winning movie, I hope not, but you gotta call it like it is, like they're Oscar-nominated, so even if they get nominated, that's a big deal. And so now, like I said, just briefly, I'm gonna talk about those two shows. So I saw the newest episode of Mandalorian. It was good, uh, just because we got to see some more Baby Yoda, and we got to go back to Tatooine. I love Tatooine, that's probably one of my favorite planets. And um, But other than that, it was a boring episode. It was a very tried-and-true story plot of the old gunslinger helping the young gunslinger. Episodes even called The Gunslinger, but that young new bounty hunter was a bad actor. He he was uh, The lines that he had were just so cringy, and uh, I'm glad Ming-Na Wen was in the episode, but she was very underutilized, and she died. So I don't know if there's going to be more to that story, but... I don't know. I thought she was a great sniper. That scene where they were flying around in the desert to avoid her sniper shot, shooting up the flares, that was awesome. That was really cool. But then the betrayal you could see coming a mile away and, you know, just, I don't know. It was a, it felt like a very filler episode. And, um, I, you know, for an eight, an eight season, uh, episode season, I don't think you should have filler episodes. I mean, if it's if it's warranted, then great. Maybe you should have just had seven episodes. But I, I was telling I was telling someone that um, this episode is essentially the Mandalorian takes his ship to the shop and can't afford to pay for the bill, so he has to take up a bounty hunter job to pay for the bill, and that's it. But it's like we've seen that already. This was the exact same storyline as episode two of him completing his job getting to his ship and realizing his ship got scrapped. So then the the rest of the episode is him having to get his stuff back. And this is the exact same premise, is his ship is out of commission. Every single episode, it seems like, is is built upon what he's doing on his ship. So each episode is him flying to a new planet or doing a new thing. And so if his ship's out of commission, you've got an episode where he's walking around trying to solve that problem. And so that's two episodes now of his ship being out of commission and him having to figure something out, whether that's uh, getting the parts or getting the money. And so by the end of this episode, again, surprise, surprise, he leaves. So it just, I don't know, to me, I get it because, and I, some people, I didn't even know that was Anna Sedaris or Anna, Anna I think it's Anna Sedaris, uh, Amy Sedaris in uh, the, the woman with the crazy hair who took care of Baby Yoda. She was okay as well. She didn't stand out to me. And I just, all the acting seemed really off. And I was just like, can we please just get, I, I was bummed. I was really looking forward to that episode. And it just, it underwhelmed me. And again, it's not a bad, it's not terrible by any means. I'd give it probably like a six or a seven. So it wasn't the worst thing in the world, but it just compared to the prior episodes, it's it's um, it's got a ways to go. So I'm really hoping this next episode picks things up, and uh, I have confidence that it will, though, because they've they've done good so far. I think maybe they knew they had a dud on their hands and they had to put it right in the middle, or maybe with the reveal at the end of the episode of who who the heck is that that's standing over uh, that uh, the assassin's body, uh, maybe there'll be some big lead in in the next episode. So that's great. Now, uh, counter to that, Watchmen's episode was phenomenal. Every episode of Watchmen has gotten better than the last episode, and this one's no different. Uh, this is a full-on episode, and um, and I should have mentioned that for Mandalorian, but I assume you guys have all seen that. But I'm going to talk spoilers on all these movies, all this, uh, the TV. Uh, Watchmen was great. It was an entire story uh, filling in the ba- filling in the blanks about Doctor Manhattan. So Doctor Manhattan has been married to Angela Abar, and um, is Cal. He changed his look for her so that she would feel more comfortable. And so in that sense, now we have a black Superman which is really cool and another great layer on the race concept that's been discussed in the show. I think that's so cool that they're they're getting to make those sort of creative choices um, for the show. But then uh, by the end of it, I was really frustrated. And so like I said, I don't want to talk too much about it just because I want to, I want to get into these movies. But um, he's like, he basically says to Angela, I can't, you know, nothing I, I see before, I see after time is not is linear to me. Like it all is happening at once. 
And so there's a really cool bit where she gets to talk to her grandfather through him. So if you have the ability to do that, wouldn't you have the ability to see that the 7th Cavalry is going to be shooting you with a weapon and then you would just blow up their truck? Like he he says, you know, this is this is the part where we end in tragedy. And she's like, I'm not going to let that happen. So she goes out and starts shooting the 7th Cavalry and then he comes out and starts shooting the like blowing them up with his powers. And so then it all is well and good until there's one other guy who comes and hops back up on the truck that has the the thing that's going to shoot him and disintegrate him away and she's not they're not able to stop him like i don't know if i was him i would have seen him coming right like i would have known that that's how and he does know he knows that's what's going to happen to him i would have spun around and blown up the whole truck so it wouldn't have been a problem but the reason for that then based on the incredible incredible storytelling that's been going on recently that means that it's it's and what's funny is my brother him my brother was the one who suggested this he's like that's he's literally what dr strange did in avengers endgame was that he says, if I tell you what's going to happen, it's not going to happen. And so he clearly has a plan or he knows that there's a plan. And part of that plan is him getting taken him getting destroyed and, and, and sent to the seventh Calvary. So, uh, if that's the case, cool, but they need to show that for sure in this last episode. Otherwise I'm going to be like, are you kidding me? You're Dr. Manhattan. You can do whatever. But Man, that was a good episode. And then everything with Adrian Veidt as well, finding out that he he asked to go on Europa and then clearly realized that that's not what he wanted. He wants to be able to, to quote-unquote, help people and, I guess, I guess protect them. So uh, season finale next Sunday. Really excited to see where that goes. I'm, I'm going to be tuning in. And now we'll move on to these movies. And so some of these I have a little more to say than others just due to the amount of enjoyment that I had watching them. But like I said, uh, I, I was traveling this week, so I, I downloaded, uh, or last week, I would say I downloaded some um, some movies onto my iPad. First one was The Report, and that is uh, by was that by Scott Burns, yeah, written and directed by Scott Burns, starring Adam Driver, Annette Bening, John Hamm. And uh, this is a movie uh, about the 9-11, not commission, but basically a report was commissioned for the CIA. So investigating the CIA's enhanced interrogation methods. They're essentially their torture methods that they were using to get information. And so it was a really good movie in showing just how terrible the CIA was and uh during that time so no you know i don't know i don't it was funny i sort of remember that when around that time about you know the oh the report came out and all that but i i was not really into politics at that time i uh, i don't think i really it mattered to me so i i kind of forgot about it and so when i watched this i was like oh wow that's right like i'd remembered them mentioning that sort of in the news it's just so funny to me that in in the government in any any instance any area of it it seems like there's this fear of being wrong and nobody wants to admit fault nobody wants to acknowledge that they did something that didn't work it'd be funny um i i I would love to go into the government and and fix some things and and that would be the first thing that i would fix would be this idea that being wrong is bad being wrong is the best way to learn lessons. It's the best way to learn things uh, is making mistakes. And I've learned that over the years. And I, I used to have that mindset of, you know, I can't make a mistake. Mistakes should be made. And and sometimes they're bad. This was a horrible mistake. This was something that, again, it was a mistake made off of fear. It was a fear that, you know, more attacks were going to happen to our country. But the fact that the CIA didn't want to admit it is the problem, and that's why the ending of this movie was so great, and that the report got out, and you know everyone knew about it. Obviously, no one got punished for it. Uh, maybe a few people did, but they they you know said it in the in the show that or in the movie that no one really got punished. Some people got promoted, but it was a good movie in in that sense. So if you like those sort of movies, like I would say, if you like um, what's the the Netflix show with uh, Kevin Spacey. And um, why am I not remembering the name of the show? But you, you guys know what show I'm talking about. Those government shows where there's some sort of conspiracy. And I keep on wanting to say White House Down. It's not White House Down. It's, uh, wow, I, that's crazy. I'm going to have to look it up right now. But um, there, was another, there was another government movie, kind of like uh, 13, The 13 Soldiers, the Benghazi movie. Uh, just those movies where they're kind of calling out a mistake that somebody made. Those are the movies that I really like, and so this was a 
um, a good showing of that. It was an amazing movie by any means. And uh, House of Cards. There we go. House of Cards. Why did I not think of that? So weird. But um, so the report was good. I gave it a 7 out of 10. I would recommend checking it out, especially now that I'm seeing that Annette Benning got nominated. So if you're trying to you know, keep up with all the people who were nominated by watching their stuff. It's free on Amazon Prime. Uh, next up, El Camino, the Breaking Bad movie. Uh, I loved this movie. I thought it was great. I gave it an 8. Uh, this movie takes place right after Breaking Bad, written and directed by Vince Gilligan with Aaron Paul and all of the other great actors and um, who are in this uh, show. They all reprise their roles. We got great little cameos by... Um, by Walter White and Badger, Skinny Pete, Mike, literally you name it, they were in the movie. And it was just a really beautiful movie about him making it out alive, essentially. So as you remember, the last episode of Breaking Bad did not end well. And uh, Walter died, uh, Walt died, Jesse kind of drove off. And this takes place, like literally the first scene is him still driving off. And so the hope is you're hoping the entire time that, you know, at least somebody is going to get out of this mess and and something good is going to come from this mess. And that ends up being Jesse. And it's cool because he ends up making the biggest character growth in the entire season in a sense because he goes from being a sort of sleazy drug addict sort of guy and goes into this mature adult where he realizes these are all mistakes that he's made and is you know wants to grow from them so he 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 escapes we get flashbacks of when he was in his cage uh working for those drug dealers which was so sad that really pulled in my heartstrings it was really sad but then we also got to see some great scenes like the one with skinny pete and badger where they were being nothing but nice to him and they actually were the main reason that he got away so he ends up getting away he drives off he the long story short of it all is he's able to find money the money that um what's his face um he's in here todd the money that todd was hiding in his apartment uh, Todd being the drug dealer's like cousin or whatever. And uh, so he's able to start over. He gets a new identity and a new life and starts over in Alaska. That's the end of the movie. And I thought that was the perfect ending for him because, yeah, he can't, he literally can't salvage anything in New Mexico. He's, his life is over there. So the fact that he is able to get away and um, start a new life is just so cool. And I'm really glad that that's the ending. I, I Like I said, I really enjoyed that movie. Uh, Earthquake Bird. I did not enjoy this movie at all. This is also a Netflix movie uh, directed by Wash Westmoreland, written by Susanna Jones. That's the novel is based on. It stars Alicia Vikander and um, there's another. Uh, oh, uh, Riley Q and Jack Houston. So it's it's like I said. I just I did not like this movie at all. I thought I would. It's about a. Uh, Alicia is a translator in Japan in, in the late 80s and she uh, she like gets into a relationship with this Japanese photographer and then this other American Riley comes in and it just it was it, I haven't been bored by a movie in a long time and that one was really boring to the point where halfway through it I started skipping through it I was like I, I need to figure out if, if what happens at the end and and there really isn't even an ending so I mean, what essentially happens is people keep dying around her and so she thinks it's her fault and it's not it ends up being the photographer's fault he's like a serial killer you know he killed he basically killed the girl the Riley she that's where the movie starts is she's being investigated for Riley's disappearance and um and that's literally it i really don't even want to say anything more in regards to that you know if you like i ch i wanted to watch it because i love japanese movies and I, I really like alicia vikander so if you like both of them maybe check it out and see if this movie hits for you but for me it just did not hit at all i was really disappointed so we'll move on to a better topic, which is the Irishman. So I'd, I would, I was thinking of doing this Irish, uh, the Irishman review and discussion in an Irish accent, but I realized that Robert De Niro isn't Irish, nor is Al Pacino. So uh, this is kind of a Scarlett Johansson moment where uh, Martin Scorsese is just uh, casting his friends as opposed to an actual Irish person. It was so here's what I'll say. I'm going to say two things on this. One, I enjoyed this movie. I liked it a lot. I thought it was a good movie. I have not I don't think I've seen a Martin Scorsese movie that I haven't liked. That being said, this movie 
coming out after the comments that he made about Marvel uh, and, and superhero movies in general. It's so funny how how transparent the hypocrisy is in regards to that statement. So you have a three-hour and 29-minute movie that um, has a ton of CGI. And actually, I watched the Irishman conversation piece on Netflix. It's like a 20-minute sort of documentary roundtable with Scorsese and the three actors, Pesci, Pacino, and De Niro. And they kind of talk about it. And he used industrial lights and magic. He used ILM to do this de-aging which is the same company that does the marvel movies the star wars movies so how can you how can you trash talk those movies when you're doing the exact same thing and it's funny too as the movie ended i thought to myself because i was really i was really thinking about the entire time like what makes martin scorsese a great director and when this movie ended my answer was i don't know because there was there was nothing in this movie like I, granted again when i think about it if there was if i could cut anything out of the movie i don't know what i would cut out it's a very uh, heavy movie there's a lot of information in it and and it's a great story so i don't know what i would cut out but at the same time i don't don't know what happened like i don't know where the 3 hours and 29 minutes went and there there were no quick cuts there's no really big action scenes there's there's little quick vignettes so like when he's going to murder somebody the irishman uh, there's no big music score. There's nothing. He just walks up to the person, shoots them. They're dead. That's it. And it's it's a it's a it's a wide shot. So it's not like some big editing Marvel of him cutting back to one thing or the other. And I'm not saying Marvel for Marvel Studios. I'm just saying as a, you know a Marvel. Um, so I'm trying to think like what is it that he does as a director that makes his movies so great? Because the camera work is is just normal. The editing is completely normal. The story is a gangster story. So maybe that's it. That it's a it's a gangster story that has narration. A lot of his movies are narrated. To me though, does that make you a great director? I don't know. And again, I'm not saying that Martin Scorsese isn't one. I think that he is one. I just was trying to figure out like where, and and again. Uh, resume aside, where do you get the the credibility to say the things that he said when he's producing a product like this? And, and not only that, but a product that's now going straight to Netflix streaming, something that Disney has not done. I mean, now they're starting to as well, but uh, it just... I, I, I felt bad for him because I, I can tell as I was watching him and especially, and like I said, I would really recommend, if you're wanting to get a better idea into why he probably said those comments, I would recommend watching that 20-minute uh, roundtable because he just, he's he's from the old guard and he has gotten stuck in his ways and that's that's all it is and, and again nothing wrong with that a lot of old people fall into that category of, of not wanting to learn again not wanting to admit when they're wrong and um, whether he's right or wrong all I'm saying is he he's throwing stones at a glass house by saying that you know the superhero movies are either too long or that they are special effects heavy or they're theme park rides or that they basically, you know, dissing the current movie culture of um, everything going to streaming. He kind of talks about that in his roundtable discussion. He talks about, well, that's kind of how things are moving. So it's like he's slowly starting to see that's the way things are. So in that in that sense, it almost feels like he's being a little he's he was being stubborn. And at the same time. I would have been super annoyed by a reporter asking me those questions because to me, those opinions, especially opinions from people who are that you know that old or have been around that long, they're gonna be entrenched. They're gonna be opinions that are based on old things. They're based on the past and not based on current day. So I, I, I it'd be funny. I would love to see him watch Marvel movies and then give his opinion on him, but um, it's just so funny that those comments came out and then the Irishman came out and it was like. But wait a minute, you just complained about these things. Like you just said that they were too special effects heavy and here I am seeing what I'm supposed to think is a 40-year-old Robert De Niro, but he looks like a weird 50-year-old Robert De Niro with blue eyes. 
is that because he's Irish? Because Robert De Niro isn't Irish. Could they have, they could have, and he's, but it was funny because in this, in this round table, he's talking about like, it's not just the looks. It was the, you know, you had to walk like you were 50 and whatnot. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that's like, that's acting. That's part. And he's like, this is all new to me. And I'm like, yeah, cause you, you've been closed off from the world. And he brought up a really good point too. He said that this whole ILM de-aging thing is essentially like the new makeup which is a great way of looking at it. It really is like the new makeup. So you have actors who can stay in the role longer. Now, granted, I don't need a Grand Moff Tarkin anymore. I don't want that. But in terms of de-aging, it's only going to get better. The the um, the technology is only going to get better. So in that regard, I'm excited for where those things go. But, you know, again, Scorsese, man, you gotta, you gotta breathe, man. It's gonna be okay. Like, no one is trying to take your Oscars away from you. No one is trying to say that you're... Um, that you're wrong. We're just trying to say, you know, keep try and keep an open mind. Don't, don't not. How about this? Don't bite the hand that feeds you because you are specifically using the products that Marvel uses. You guys are essentially making the same movie. You're, you're using the same products. You're just telling different stories and you can't diss other stories because no one's story is wrong unless it's a, you know, a horrible story that, um, you know what I mean? I'd like to say, you know, no story's wrong, I guess, but there's certain stories I don't think anyone's going to want to see. I certainly wouldn't want to see a story about people who say that Hitler is right. That's probably not a good story to tell, but, um, but you know, everyone's story is their own story. So, uh, next up, Noel, uh, finally watched that. Uh, so like I said, my wife's been sick this week. So her and I were just kind of on the couch this weekend watching a ton of, uh, Christmas movies. And so, uh, we saw Noel, which I really liked. I thought it was really cute. Anna Kendrick and um, uh, Bill Hader, and uh, written and directed by Mark Lawrence. Uh, It's about Santa's daughter having to find herself to take over the family business, and it was a really cute movie. She can speak different languages. She's really good with kids, but no one thinks that she can do the job because she's she's a woman. They said Santa's always a man, so that that was a cool message to say. You know, anyone can be Santa. And uh, it was fun. It was a fun movie. Again, it's on. It's streaming on Disney Plus. So for the holiday season, I I think it was a good addition. It's certainly no, um, you know, Christmas Vacation or anything where it's a. But it could be. Give it time. It's only been out for a little while. And then uh, I saw Let It Snow, which was a Netflix Christmas movie. I thought that one was all right as well. Uh, I just I. I don't expect much from the Christmas movies. So I, there, a lot of times it's like the Christmas movies playing. I may be on my phone a little bit. I may be, you know, sipping some hot cocoa, that sort of thing. And for the record, I don't like hot cocoa. I finally figured that out this weekend. Uh, my wife and I, we went to Starbucks and instead I got a white chocolate mocha with raspberry in it. And that was the best drink that I've ever had in my life. So I am a white chocolate guy, not a um, hot cocoa guy. But Again, Let It Snow was good. Basic story of a bunch of different high school kids kind of coming of age during the Christmas holidays. And uh, it was good. I, I would uh, I would definitely watch that one again uh, just to give it you know another shot because there's so many good actors in here. And it's uh, directed by Luke Snellen, written by Laura Solon. And um, uh, it's got Isabella Merced, Shamik Moore, Odea Rush, Liv Hewson, Mitchell Hope, uh, Kieran and Shipka, she's uh, Sabrina, and then uh, Jacob Batalon, and Miles Robbins, Joan Cusick, it, it, the list goes on and on. So it's one of those fun sort of everyone's involved, multiple stories going on. I'd, I'd check it out. Uh, Holiday in the Wild. This is another Christmas movie that is with Rob Lowe and Kristen Davis. And it's about a woman who's going through, she goes through a divorce and is on a trip in Africa and meets Rob Lowe, falls in love, directed by Ernie Barbarash, uh, written by Neil Dabrowski. Uh, that one, it was okay. It's That's one of those Christmas ones where it's like, we just made it to make it sort of thing. Uh, but it was cute. It was it was cute. Those, again, it's, it's just, they're sweet stories. They're sweet Christmas stories to get you in the mood for the season. Uh, yeah, a lot of these things are not plausible in real life, but that's kind of, you know, that's life. So um, you got to just take what you can get in those movies. And then, like I said, I wa- we watched Tangled and Little Mermaid. So briefly on those, because I know we've all seen those movies. I saw Tangled a long time ago, so I didn't remember much about it. But I really like Tangled. I think that's a really cool story. I love that her hair glows. And I think it's crazy that she was abducted at birth. And literally, it's, it's almost the same as Room, right? Like the movie Room, where she's kept in a room in a tower for 18 years 
and this witch of a mother who's not even her mother is trying to prevent her there all for her own selfish reasons so that part was kind of messed up and it made the movie that much better i think because it was a very serious topic that i don't think as a kid you would understand when you're watching it but when she finally gets back to her parents it's like wow that's just really powerful stuff and uh there was a there's a line in there i felt oh yeah, 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 there's a scene in there, there was a couple scenes in there that actually reminded me of Avengers Endgame, and I was like, huh, um, there's a scene where, yeah, no, okay, two scenes, that, and so I don't, I'm not gonna say that they copied each other, but, because this movie came out before both of them, but there's a scene in here with the horse and Flynn Rider, where they're both staring straight ahead, they're supposed to uh, be buddies, and the horse punches him and knocks him down, it looks identical to when the Hulk punches Thor in Avengers, in 2012 Avengers, uh, when they're at the end and he just punches him look the exact same and then at the end when she meets her parents for the first time her mom like looks at her and gives her this sort of like when ant-man's looking at his daughter and like can't speak and starts crying and just hugs her and i was waiting for her to say you're so big but she didn't say that so i was like okay cool no they definitely didn't copy these things but i thought that was funny so tangled is I, like I said, I really like it, and I love how long her hair was. I'm very OCD, so the entire movie I was waiting to see exactly how long her hair was, and I don't think we ever fully get to see it, but that's okay, because by the end of it, her hair gets cut, and um, I really, if there's a sequel, I doubt it. I, I'm, I hope not, because it's a very contained story, but I was just curious of like, okay, so her hair gives her powers, and when her hair is cut, the power goes away, so does that mean the power was just in her hair, or was the power in her all along, because then her tears heal it, so isn't the assumption then that when her hair eventually grows out as she ages, because it's going to keep growing, would she get more healing from her hair at that point, I don't know, that's a story for another time, and then uh, The Little Mermaid, like I said, classic Disney movie, Little Mermaid is great, that's uh, for any... uh, for anyone who you know doesn't know, that's Ron Clements, John Musker, written and directed. Jody Benson plays Ariel. Didn't know that, but um, we all know this story. It's great. I, as I'm watching it though, I was really excited for the um, the live action uh, um, one because I think there's. I thought there were some really interesting pieces in this movie, like the fact that the music is so different from a lot of the Disney movies. It's got that almost sort of Jamaican feel with uh with the crustaceans and the the hot crustacean band and i don't know just the way that the music i feel like they can explore some really cool theme musical themes in this new live action movie and maybe uh i don't know i think they could really pull off a cool movie especially if it's underwater so i love i I always my wife it loves little mermaid so that's probably like the third time we've watched it together um she's seen it way more than that and and yeah so it's not one of my favorite disney princess movies there's other ones i like more but again i love all the disney movies so uh well i love most of the disney movies but that's one that i enjoy so those were the movies that i watched recently and um, I did not go to the movies at all. Like I said, I've been traveling the last two weeks, and I've just, I don't know if you can tell, but I've just, I'm exhausted. I've been exhausted, and so I'm just, I'm ready to get back into the swing of things and uh, get some episodes up for you guys this week, so hopefully next weekend when we talk, uh, I'll have some movies that I saw in theaters because it looks like there's some good ones coming out, but for now, for Comics and Cinema, I'm your host, Alex Klein. Thanks so much for listening, and see you at the movies. Thank you.